Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal, boys and girls. Ty Hildebrand here. Dan Rubenstein right on over there. SolidVerbal at gmail.com. That is still the email address. As always, you can find us on Facebook, on FanCred, and of course on the Twitters. Hello, Daniel. Hey, Ty. How you doing? I'm doing well. You know, my voice still isn't back to 100%, but I'm, I, I feel like I'm getting there. It sounds good to me. Does it? Yeah, you sound... As well as you could sound after enduring some of the things that you endured this season. So I, I feel like you're in a great place. It's I mean, it hasn't quite been Chinese water torture, but no. I have been forced to watch Notre Dame. True. Kind of the same thing. It is not all that. It's very different. It is very different. Um, but uh i feel like we're in a good place i feel like your voice is in a good place i'm excited for tonight's show this is sort of a a melding a meshing of uh of two of the things we've done recently which is audio shows and q a video shows there's no video that is going to be associated with with this show but it is going to be a q a show and it is going to be a show that focuses on the the most visible job opening that we still have in college football Brian Cook from MGO Blog is going to stop by here in just a little bit after we get through the news. And it's interesting. We we were trying to figure out what are we going to talk about? And Mm -hmm. as you know, this is kind of like the elephant in the room, Dan. Everyone's wondering who is going to take this job at Michigan. And we're trying to figure out who do we want to bring on the show? I thought of Brian Cook. Brian Cook hasn't been on our show in a couple of years, but every time Brian stops by, he brings with a huge following of michigan faithful so we're happy to welcome him back to the show here in a Mm -hmm. little bit and talk about where he stands on this opening who they're going to hire when they're going to hire him what a michigan man is if it still exists all sorts of crazy stuff here with (laughs) brian cook again it's at mgo blog on the twitter we'll talk to him momentarily in the interim though a couple announcements before we get into some news yes the bowl pool have you joined yet I have not. I have received the invitation. I need to join. I think bowls start in what the better, like a little less than a week. Saturday, dog. Oh, God dang it. Okay. Saturday it is. I will be signed up. What is the name of your, once again, your entry? There goes hack is the name of my entry. <laughs> Some sort of inside joke. Yes. yes. All right. Um, I, uh, I feel pretty good mostly because I'm the surest thing in college football. So, well, that's against the spread though. How are you that straight is against up? Spread. That's totally true. Confidence wise. I think I did well last year, but, uh, we shall see straight up. I actually don't know my record because I'm so busy making everybody money. <laughs> I'm too busy. <laughs> I'm gagging here. There's, is that too much truth for you to handle? It's, it's too much truth. Too many hot takes here. Good. I'm glad. All right, so get on that. We've posted the link now on the website at solidverbal.com. Mm-hmm. We've also posted it on the Twitter. We've also posted it on the Facebook. We will post it in those locations a couple more times before Saturday comes around. But if you haven't already, join the pool. Compete for fabulous prizes against other verballers. Yes. With deadlines in mind, Verbi's nominations officially close on Friday night at midnight. Get them in. Get in those nominations. Mama Hildenbrandt's busy. As you know, I record at Mama Hildenbrandt's. And let yes. me grab this. Hold on. I'm looking right now at the losing effort of the year nominations. Uh-oh. 
Uh-oh. All right. We've got yeah. uh, multiples for Connor Halliday against Cal. Yep. We've Record got setting. Um, Tevin Coleman just in general. Mm-hmm. We've got Laquan Treadwell versus Auburn, which is sad oh. and very true at the yeah. same time. Mm-hmm. Penn State's defense. Kevin yeah. White from West Virginia. God, there are so many good ones. The Big 12 Conference, I think, is a really good, <laughs> I like a really that good a one. lot. So I'm yeah. looking through Mama H, by the way, very high tech with her nominations. Yep. She's tracked them all on a three ring binder. And uh, I'm flipping through. This is loose leaf paper, Dan. In I'm picturing her organizing age. this in a room with threads going across the room and bulletin boards with Kevin White and Bob Bowlesby. Yeah. Just all sorts of connections. And she's threading it all together. She is. I'm looking at name of the year now. There's someone mm-hmm. apparently named Norkethius. Well, obviously. Norkethius Otis. Obviously. Norkethius Otis. Good for him from North Carolina. Okay. Mm-hmm. So get those in. It's solidverbal.com slash verbies if you are interested in uh, nominating I think that's a terrific name for the awards let's get to some breaking news thank you Dan no problem first and foremost Bo Pelini yeah you're really testing the limits of uh of your pop filter there yeah, no wonder I don't have Bo a voice. Pelini. I'm yelling yeah. Bo Pelini. I'm yelling because he's a penguin, Dan. Mm-hmm. Going to Youngstown State. Yep. Who owns Pitt. Yeah. Owns Pitt. Why is he going to Youngstown State, Dan? Uh, I, is that his alma mater? <laughs> I don't know. Is I believe it, it is. Okay. Um, other than that. Other than that, um, it's, uh, look, he, he obviously has, I don't hate this move. He obviously has designs of being a head coach rather than a coordinator and didn't want to take the Will Muschamp route, even though Will Muschamp is going to be very handsomely paid by Auburn. A similar situation, though, having experience at an SEC school and succeeding on a high level as a coordinator and then going into a big head coaching position. It didn't work out. He's a native of Youngstown. That's what I'm saying. The Penguins. Yeah. It's one of those schools that if you succeed there, as Jim Trestle did, that you can springboard into a job in the Midwest, which is where Bo Pelini is from. I don't know what job that is, but if he wants to further sort of prove himself, and he has already proven himself as a, a solid nine and a half win in a major conference coach. So I don't know how much in the way of proving himself he wants to do, but to sort of further hone his head coaching abilities rather than go back and be somebody else's boss. There's certainly an ego about head coaches. And if he felt that that was the best chance for him to exert his will as a head coach and obviously is a good fit, it's hard for me to blame him. I it's a clear stepping stone. I don't imagine Bo Pelini is going to be too long for Youngstown, perhaps in the same way that we figured that, um, that uh, the gentleman at Western Kentucky now at Louisville, Bobby Petrino yes. was not going to be long for Western Kentucky, but um, Bo Pelini doesn't strike me as a media guy right now either. Didn't want to take like a rich rod year off. So I'm fine with it. He's familiar with the recruiting landscape of the Midwest has relationships with high school coaches and wants to be a head coach rather than a coordinator. Okay. Yeah. I'm fine with it. Whatever makes you happy, man. Absolutely. And that's a, that's a power. Youngstown State is a power, or at least once was a power. Um, Forgive me for I'm not current, but they did beat Pitt recently, and I'm fine with it. 
Yeah, Youngstown State. So he wants to stay a head coach. He is going back to his roots, Youngstown State, for Mm -hmm. Bo Pelini. Staying in the state of Ohio. Yeah. Or should I say not staying in the state of Ohio? Please don't. Tom Herman. He went to, I should say, Bo Pelini went to Ohio State, but he's from Youngstown. Okay. Yeah. Let's clear that up. Yes. Tom Herman, formerly of Ohio State, formerly Mm -hmm. the offensive coordinator, a young guy, Mm -hmm. a lot of promise, one of the hot coordinator names in terms of guys who might be getting a head coaching gig soon. He is now headed to Houston, which is an interesting move. He's also added another name, a former coordinator that you've heard of, Major Applewhite. Indeed. To his staff. The Houston job all of a sudden blowing up with some name power, Mr. Rubenstein. Yeah, no, this is an excellent hire. And I think Houston, in terms of non-Power 5 jobs, is pretty excellent, as we talked about before. Um, You know, if the Big 12 is going to expand, Houston is a major, major market. I'm not sure that they're super interested in uh, in people in Houston are super interested in the University of Houston. Rather, it seems like a a city that's more interested in LSU and Texas and Texas A&M. But... That it's a it's a very nice recruiting area. He has experience in that area. I think he was he was at some smaller schools in Texas yep. before spending time in the Big Twelve, and then of course Ohio State. They want an offensive guy. He obviously has a proven track record. I believe he just won the Broyles Award for the best assistant in the country. It seems like he's ready. He's not the oldest guy. I think he's a, almost forty. Thirty nine so years old. He has experience at schools at different levels. I think. As far as coordinators and jobs, I, you know, I wouldn't have loved for, say, Nebraska to hire Tom Herman. That I think that's a job that you really want somebody with head coaching experience. But a job like Houston, which is a very, very good job for that level yeah. in F- FBS, I think it's a, I think it's an excellent fit, and he should be able to put together some uh, some prolific offenses for the Cougars. Yeah, and you know, it helps that he's got roots down there. He absolutely, he's got roots in Texas. He was a grad assistant at Texas. Had a stint at Sam Houston State, at Texas mm-hmm. State, at Rice. He he's got some roots in the Southwest, and he's got cachet. He he helped to develop JT Barrett, Braxton Miller. He can go to all a number of of quarterbacks in Texas and say, look, these quarterbacks succeeded at Houston, and our name brands, you know, our Bryles and all these guys, you know, come from there. Kevin Sumlin, and then he can point to the quarterbacks that he developed at Ohio State and can say, I can put you in a position to succeed on a big level. By the way, don't look now, but the American Athletic Conference compiling a nice little resume of coaches. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, What else do we got here? Let me see. Oh. Oh. Jeff Collins from Mississippi State taking. That warranted an O. The Florida defensive coordinator job. It's an O because it caught me by surprise. I was switching tabs. Right. And to go from Tom Herman to Jeff Collins, I must say, is a bit of a letdown. But it is new and noteworthy, though. Jeff Collins from mm-hmm. Mississippi State, of course. He's taking the Florida defensive coordinator ship. Is it a coordinator ship? Uh, only at Stanford. OK. <laughs> only at Stanford is it a coordinator ship. But yes, he is the new defensive coordinator at Florida. It's a very nice hire. Uh, the Minister of Mayhem. Yeah. The Minister of Mayhem, Jeff Collins. Uh has, you know, he has SEC experience. It's, you know, Dan Mullen called it a, a parallel move, a lateral job move. But uh, that is a job that will afford you the luxuries of recruiting in, in Florida and in the SEC. And you will have the pieces, the talent to succeed. And with that will come a good amount of pressure with how much Florida has spent on the head coach and will spend on this staff. Um, 
Not a not a lowly paid assistant by any means. To quote Winston Zettelmore from Ghostbusters 1. Yes. You've got the tools. You've got the talent. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to quote Winston Zettelmore. <laughs> Mississippi State with a very experienced defense was quite good this year in the SEC, as yes. we all know. And uh, the defense did a, did their part and more to lead the team to to 10 wins. So he is he is certainly a coach with the with the hype behind him. Of course, we remember Manny Diaz, a yeah. previous Mississippi State coach who ascended to a, a big position at a big school uh, in similar fashion after spending time with Dan Mullen. But uh, I, I would imagine Florida is hoping for a bit more than Texas got from Diaz. All right. I'm just seeing now that Connor Cook has indicated he He's is back. returning to Michigan State next year. He says, yep. quote, I have unfinished business oh, that's that I want curse. to accomplish next year. Unfinished business, I feel like, is probably, if you took a survey, one of the top five most popular motivational T-shirts that football teams wear. Oh, absolutely. And Michigan State, I mean, they have a, a claim. They have they have a stake to that term, I suppose. They they got close. They couldn't overcome the the um, the monster hurdle that was Ohio State and Oregon. But uh, yeah, they only lost to playoff teams. Yep. Michigan State. That's not a bad place to be. And they are a team that you can very persuasively say they just they have a hump that they need to get over. And they're also a team that won the Rose Bowl a year ago. So. I want odds. Spot. I want odds on that becoming an actual T-shirt, like the official Michigan State 2015 slogan. Ty, it's already a T-shirt. It <laughs> must already be a T-shirt. We're already far, far behind the printing press. And very finally, unless you've got something else, I, I haven't seen any news on Paul Chris. By the by, the way, we're recording this on Tuesday instead of Wednesday, mm-hmm. so Wednesday would appear to be some sort of milestone day. In the world of Paul Christ and perhaps the Wisconsin Wisconsin coaching search. Yeah. Notre Dame. What'd they do? They're going to play two quarterbacks <gasps> against LSU, Dan. All right. Two quarterbacks. I assume Everett Golson's going to be back next year. It's one of those weird situations where, where you're a where senior, but not, not really a senior. I don't know. Enterprise. He's a redshirt junior. He's got another year. Okay. I thought Notre Dame doesn't recognize redshirts or something. Isn't there some weird thing like that? He's a redshirt junior. I don't okay. know what the weird thing is. They, they've got a weird thing with redshirts, but he's, he's a redshirt junior. Right. He's coming back. Clearly he's coming back. Where else would he go? I don't know. Who wants him? I don't know. Somebody that can develop quarterbacks. Should be interesting to see what happens. Um, if they play both Malik Zaire and Everett Golson. Are you bullish on Malik Zaire oh, being a, a better quarterback than uh, than a couple of the previous Notre Dame? Tommy Reese, Andrew Hendricks, Everett Golson long. I mean, Everett Golson did lead Notre Dame to an undefeated season. Oh, the defense led Notre Dame to an undefeated season. Everett Golson did very little to screw that up. Everett Golson was very good in 2012. He yeah, came certainly on- over the course of the season got much better. He came on in the Oklahoma game back in 2012. He yep. he he built his aura a little bit more as he progressed through. As you mentioned, he didn't do much to screw it up. They did rely on the defense. And then when that mm-hmm. gave way against Alabama, all hell sort of broke loose. I still think Everett Golson's a lot better than he played this year. I don't know what got into him. I don't know if it was a, a confidence thing. It would feel like a confidence thing, like a Joel Stave Yipsy right. kind of thing going on there. Why is it the name of your team, your your entry into the college confidence pool, the bowl confidence pool, the Joel Stave yips? I love the yips. I feel like that's maybe one of your top three stories of the season. The yips? Oh, for me? 
just yeah, just in general that a football player, a quarterback got the yips at a major school because the yips is just such a a transcendent term. It, it's not just football. Quite often it's golf. It can be yeah. football or it can be baseball. It can be yeah. all sorts of things. How did, you, how did you feel about Chuck Knobloch? <laughs> that was a big case of the yips. Huge yips. I love me some good yips. Except yeah. when it's Notre Dame. True. Except when it's Notre Dame. And that's what happened here. So, yeah, I'm, I'm bullish on Malik Zaire. We only saw one game mm-hmm. with Malik Zaire against USC. And the game was already over. Right. I'm curious to see how they use Malik Zaire in the bowl game. I'm even more curious to see what this means in 2015. I still think Everett Golson's got to be your starting quarterback, but if Malik Zaire comes in against LSU and let's say he lights the world on fire, let's say he mm-hmm. leads Notre Dame to victory against LSU. All of a sudden you've got a quarterback controversy and with all the other talent that Notre Dame brings back in 2015, I don't think a quarterback controversy makes them a better team. I'd like to go into spring camp with a defined starter. And I think I still think the better of the two, if playing at or near their ceilings is Everett Golson. But we didn't see that this past year. I just looked it up to remind myself. And they also have a, a highly touted quarterback coming in. Yes. It's coming here. Brandon Wimbush, who yep. is a local to, I guess, technically me from New Jersey. Um, and I, I actually wanted to use that to jump onto just quickly because we're in what mid December. Yes. So we're entering the season where coaches can talk to recruits less. There's a quiet period. And then you have the all-star games. There's a quiet period. And then there's recruiting. You're going to have, we have all sorts of in-home visits and there's commitments and decommitments. I personally don't know a ton about classes this year, nope. but I was going to list. This is what the 24 seven composite. You're going to be shocked by this list. Ty. Yeah. As has, as America's top 10 teams recruiting wise at the, the time we're recording this Alabama, Florida state, Georgia, Ohio state, Tennessee at number five, uh, a lot of four star kids. It appears Clemson, Texas, A&M, South Carolina, Penn state, USC, and Notre Dame is right there at 11. And for those that are concerned, Oregon is at 17. A lot of the usual suspects thus far, obviously a number of top recruits don't commit until January and then signing day. So these rankings will be shuffled and don't immediately mean a ton. It means much more to see what you do with these top kids, but the more top kids you have, the more, uh, the better chance you have to succeed. Um, Mississippi state at 15 is interesting to see. I know they've, they put together some interesting classes every once in a while. Texas and Charlie strong are at 19 West Virginia is a top 25 team, which is not always the easiest thing to do with the, the available talent in the area. Um, any teams that, I mean, South Carolina is a, a top 10 team, which is not always the, the highest degree of talent in, in South Carolina. Is that the Palmetto state Palmetto state? Yeah, I believe it is, but yep. they, they have a number of four stars according to the 24 seven composite. Um, but yeah, embarrassment of riches for Alabama. USC only has 17 commits, but that class will be huge as they they aim to restock their uh, their depth chart, which so badly needs needs healthy <laughs> depth and bodies and anybody that can play. It looks like they're loading up on a lot of beef. Yeah. Um, yeah. And always necessary to build up the lines if you want to get better quickly. So interesting. And obviously, the closer we get to signing day, the more we'll look at this and then talk about recruiting as uh, as that all heats up. The only other thing that I should add, because it just came across the wire here, is that uh, TCU's Gary Patterson has been given a two year extension through the 2020 season, according to a source. This is again from uh, Brett McMurphy. We'll talk about Brett McMurphy here. Mm-hmm. in a little bit after Brian Cook and after we go through some of the Q&A. Gary Patterson, a name who always comes up in coaching searches, always comes up, 
I feel like he's a great fit at TCU. I feel that way because he's always done well at TCU with the exception of that feeling out period when they first joined the big 12. We'll see how they do in the bowl game. Got a good matchup, which we will discuss in a little more detail as we move through the great month of December. But worth noting, if you're a TCU fan, Gary Patterson's been extended for two more years through the 2020 season. Well deserved. All right, Dan, joining us now. It's been a long time since we had him on the show. Pleased to welcome back Brian Cook from M Go Blog. Sir, how are you? I'm good. It's been a long time since Michigan's been relevant enough to be on the all verbal. So. so what is the over-under on Michigan getting a coach? When is this going to happen? Uh, um, probably late December, early January is what everybody thinks right now. How, how confident are you if I set a date of like December 31st? Pretty confident. Yeah. Like they're waiting on Harbaugh, and then if they don't get Harbaugh, they'll move quickly. So if they don't get Harbaugh, then let's assume he's not interested, because it would seem Jim Harbaugh's a successful NFL guy. Maybe he'd want to stay there in some other capacity. What What is the fallback plan if it's not Jim Harbaugh? I don't know. Um, that is something that is completely unclear at this point. I mean, people have been talking about some weird names like Bob Stoops, which I've heard credible chatter on, but I just don't necessarily believe that that's not agent based. Like we, we do this Kabuki every year or the, this guy's in charge in line for a job and whoops, he got an extension. So Bob Stoops, uh, Jim Mora, I was pumping up, uh, Tom Herman, the uh, Ohio state coordinator who, uh, just took the Houston job. So he apparently is, is out of the, uh, out of the picture, but you know, he's, uh, the pickings are, have been slim this year. Because Michigan isn't looking at Dan Mullen for some reason, I, I'm not exactly sure who the plan B is because he would be the obvious guy. Okay. Are there any other names beyond Mora, beyond Harbaugh, beyond uh, you know Stoops? Yeah. Are there any other names out there that that you think are like deep sleepers for this job, or are those really the the front runners at this point? I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish I could tell you, but th- I haven't gotten anything that's particularly consistent about anybody because Michigan is, is really putting all their chips on the table for Harbaugh yeah. and they're doing some due diligence on other guys. But you know, the thought inside the Michigan community right now is that this is happening. Um, and the NFL guys are like laughing at it, but the guys who know Harbaugh, who played with Harbaugh and, and the guys who talk to the people who are talking to Michigan search uh, committee, I think it's actually going to happen. So they're, they're going to look like brilliant, Masters of the universe are total idiots. There's not much in between. Beyond Jim Hackett, who's the sort of pseudo interim AD who everybody assumes is going to be a part of this decision, who else is making this decision? Who else uh, is vetting candidates at this point? Who are the people that are are sort of in the room when discussing direction and offers and qualifications? Well, they have a, a council of some former players. Uh, Marcus Ray is one of them. You know, they talk to Lloyd Carr. Lloyd is not as involved as you might expect. He's a guy who, if they call him up and ask him for an opinion on somebody, he'll give it. Right. He's not in there being proactive. Um, and then, you know, Slissel is involved, the president of the university, and, and um, they have a search firm led by Jed Hughes that they're leaning on heavily, and Hughes was actually a Michigan football alum. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who knows the program and knows the ins and outs and that kind of thing. Um I tell you, one guy they should probably talk to, Rich Rodriguez, <laughs> so that they know what not to do this time around. But I, this I is true. That's going to happen. 
uh, on that similar note, um, what do you think Michigan is doing differently, if anything, um, than they did when hiring Brady Hoke and Rich Rodriguez, two coaches who certainly didn't work out within the context of the Michigan job? Well, the Rodriguez and Hoke searches were totally different. The Rodriguez search was Bill Martin being caught off guard by the fact that Lloyd Carr retired when knew a year beforehand that Carr wanted to retire and had to talk him out of it. Um, but he got blindsided, and then the Miles thing fell apart because LSU was you know, going to play for the national championship. And at that point, it was a haphazard array of names before Rich Rodriguez fell on their lap. That seems more likely at this point than the hoax search, which was this guy was locked in because he was a Michigan man from the start. Now, to learn from that, you need to proactively go out and find a guy who's actually qualified for the job. Right. Uh, and then make sure you vet him to the point where you know he's not going to get cultural pushback. And that might be one of the reasons that Mullen isn't part of it. And I find that a little bit doubtful because the guy went to school in New Hampshire is from Pennsylvania. He's been at Notre Dame. He's been at Bowling Green. He's been at Utah. But I'm really grasping at straws for why he's not prominently mentioned. One of the big things that coaches really in any sport on any level, one of the first things they generally look at is the infrastructure in place, whether it's a pro team with ownership, whether it's a a college job with the athletic director, with board of trustees, which how much support you get from administrators at this point with a a little bit of it it seems a situation is a little bit up in the air with Jim Hackett and whether or not he is going to be the full-time guy. If they are going to be all in on Jim Harbaugh, do you feel like the program, the athletic department is on stable enough ground to woo somebody on that level? On a Harbaugh level, I think Harbaugh is an exception because Harbaugh grew up uh, idolizing Bo. He, he played at Michigan. You know, he, he, if you listen to his press conferences and his speeches to his team, he has the bow inside of him. So I think that the rules don't necessarily apply for Harbaugh. And that is more of a concern when you're talking about getting a guy like Jim Mora, who might look at Michigan as a step up in a normal situation. But right now, he's in a stable situation. He's in a good situation at UCLA. So I'm pretty doubtful that they're going to be able to get a sitting head coach in a good situation. Have any offers been made in earnest? I mean, they're really waiting on a yes or no for Harbaugh before they say anything definitive to anybody. And the the process of using a search firm, do you feel like that has been done in a correct way? A lot of people have varying opinions of search firms. Do you feel like this year they're they're just sort of trying to, to cross every T and dot every I and make sure everybody is vetted as thoroughly as they can? Or do you feel like they could have gone about this business in a different way? Well, you know, with the athletic director change, I think a search firm is actually makes more sense for Michigan than it does for a lot of schools. Right. Because, you know, Hackett had been thrust into this job. He's obviously got some chops. He was a CEO who did pretty well at Steelcase, that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily have much context or connections, and that's what a search firm can bring him. And I, I think it's a, it's a pretty good idea in Michigan specific case. Brian, we've heard a lot about Michigan men, quote-unquote Michigan men. What constitutes a Michigan man at this point? Is it even a real thing anymore? Is it something that factors in at all when they're now looking for a new coach? I, I would say no. And uh, when Hackett announced that he was firing Hoke, 
the end of that press conference was him saying the same thing. Like yeah. They brought yeah. Michigan in, and he's like, we need to get rid of this turn. And while you're looking at a guy like Harbaugh, you know, if any college team in the country had a shot at Harbaugh, they'd take that shot, you know. Sure. It's about Definitely. making sure that the guy is uh, is prepared and is able to fit with your culture. And I think that is a real thing, not just in Michigan, but a lot of places. You know, if you tried to install Nick Saban at, at Oregon, I don't think it would go that well just because they are a hyper-fast offensive-oriented culture. And Michigan has its michigan And I think to be aware of that and be able to deal with kind of the stuff that came up with Rodriguez is something Michigan needs to do. But in terms of who Michigan man is, if you tell me, told me John Beeline isn't a Michigan man, I'd laugh in your face. <laughs> right. So, it's about finding the right guy. It's not necessarily about finding the right Michigan guy. Any great coach can become a Michigan guy. You just got to exactly. win. Precisely. All right, Brian Cook, MGO blog. We'll get you out of here on this. How's the community feeling over at MGO blog with all of this? It's mid-December. You still don't have a coach. How's everyone doing on the boards? Uh, it's contentious. Yeah. But at least it's contentious because before it was just apathy, you know? Yeah. I mean, the last two years have been so tough to watch. They haven't had much success against Michigan State and Ohio State. And it was just kind of like, can we please get this over with? And now there's at least something to yell at other people about. How many years off your life have the last two years taken? <laughs> I guess that figure is still pending. Still TBD. <laughs> All right. Again, his name is Brian Cook. You can find his fine work over at MGO blog. Brian, get some sleep. Take care. And maybe we'll talk to you after this whole ordeal is over with. I'd like that. Thanks, guys. Okay, Dan. Again, that's Brian Cook. MGO blog. Sounds decidedly exhausted. From the Michigan coaching search. The man is business. The man is excited to uh, to have a coach and be able to move on and figure out what the implications thereof of a possible coaching hire would be. All right. I'm going to play an old sound from the past. I love when this happens. Congratulations, Skippy. You've got mail. You've got mail. On the solid verbal. We've got a bunch of mail that comes into the solid verbal. We've also got a bunch of comments that come through on Facebook. True. Fan cred. And, of course, on the Twitter, Dan, you have taken the liberty, the Mm. wonderful liberty, of compiling a sheet while I was at the Mysterious Day Job (sighs) of some of the questions that came in on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash solid verbal. I've got uh, a few others here that came in through email, a few others that came in on Twitter. We'll get to those if we have a chance. But as always, we're going to pay the most attention to our Facebook page, Dan. I thought you said we're going to pay homage so I could go... (sighs) We're going to pay homage to those verbalers who wrote yeah. in on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash solid verbal. Would you like to start with the uh, question we got here from Aaron, who I might add, and we've discussed this ad nauseum on the show. Yeah. All of these names, most of these names. Yeah. I can tell you their Twitter avatar. And if I remember correctly, really? yes, if I remember correctly, Aaron's for a period of time used to be a Canada goose. That sounds right. That sounds about right. I feel like it was a Canada goose. Do you want to read Canadian him off here? goose? Yeah, uh, sure. Absolutely. This one's a bit long, but we'll go through it pretty quickly. The The gist of it is uh, Oregon's blue chip ratio, and that means how many four and five stars per recruiting or per your roster you have. Yeah. Uh, Oregon's blue chip ratio 
From 2010 to 2013 was about 44%. They're now in the playoff contending for a title perennially, which is true. They're perennial top five to seven team. I know people say, quote, Nike money and all that, but that ignores the relatively subpar recruiting they do overall compared to how well they perform and ignores how well those players are developed. Big question is, why wouldn't a Big Ten West team be capable of the same thing? Constant top 25 to 30 recruiting classes with the top 10 every three to four years could be doable for a Nebraska or Wisconsin or even Iowa with the right coach, wouldn't it? I'll hang up and listen. Hang Ty, up what and is, listen. What is your immediate response to saying um, a team in the Big Ten West can just do what Oregon did hypothetically? My problem with that statement is that, and I'm not even going to go into the Nike money, but right. for whatever which reason. Which is relevant. Which it, is it's relevant. It's very relevant. Yeah. No doubt. There is a cool factor associated with playing at Oregon. Yes. And you can sell that. That's why they have the crazy uniforms. That's why they run the fun offense. There yes. are things at Oregon that you can sell that you can't sell at Iowa. Right. That you can't sell at Wisconsin or Nebraska. That cool factor when you're 18 or 17 or 16 goes a long way towards getting you out of a place like Southern California and to an otherwise nondescript place like Eugene, Oregon. Now, right. if you're able to do that, Mike Riley at Nebraska, if you're able to do that, Paul Chris, maybe at Wisconsin, if you're able to do that, whoever you are, Kirk Ferentz is eventual replacement, mm -hmm. then, yeah, I could see some of the same things happening there in the Big Ten West. But until you're able to establish that cool factor, I don't think it's happening anywhere in the Big Ten West. Yeah, it's so the word I sort of hate to love or love to hate is brand. And Oregon has built up, as you mentioned, the cool factor, the brand of attracting specific types of players, which has expanded its definition. But obviously, it's most associated with speed. D'Anthony Thomas, LaMichael James, all these guys are you can be the next whatever. And at schools like Wisconsin, at schools like Iowa, at schools like Nebraska, um, not as much recently, I would say, but there, there are fewer players that have an alluring brand. J.J. Watt at Wisconsin is certainly one of them, but again, that's a different regime. That's a couple regimes ago now. Um, if you're a power running running back, you should always look at Wisconsin. That is something that you have. But in terms of what make what attracts guys to schools, a lot of it is winning and a lot of it is producing big names. And in the case of Nebraska, in the case of Wisconsin or Iowa, these aren't programs playing on the national stage all that often where you can learn names and part of the reason Oregon has done that granted Nike money didn't start coming into like 1994 right so this has still been like a 20-year process to the point we're at right now of brand building so it takes a long time and you have to make a definitive direction a decision with Oregon it's the uniforms and the fashion it can be anything anywhere and a lot of these schools have tradition that they can lean on that Oregon can't so it's a matter of doing that in a smart way and building something over time and not losing coaches every two years like Wisconsin has unfortunately had to deal with. And it's sort of building up that brand over time that's reinforced by famous faces and playing games on big national stages consistently. Here's how I know it can be done. It definitely can be done, but it takes time. Here's how I know. Boise State. Yeah. Boise State. Boise State's a great example of this. Boise State doesn't have the Nike money. Right. But it did have a cool factor. It still does have a cool. They've got blue turf for crying out loud. That's cool. 
they they play those big games on national TV in September, even though the Mountain West is they're always in that conversation because yep. they consistently won. They had that the blue, whatever. And it doesn't always have to be uniforms or fields. It doesn't have to be stunts, but maybe it's an offensive system. Maybe it's a defensive system. Maybe it's a coach with a personality that garners a lot of t- attention and backs that up by winning. It's it's all a sorts of it's all sorts of uh, of combos that go into play here, and uh, in the case of Oregon, they've it's taken a long time. This yep. is not an overnight thing, and they were left out of huge bowl games. What two thousand five? Notre Dame snuck in ahead of them, like yep. a a nine and two Notre Dame over a ten and one Oregon. This is this takes a long time. It's not overnight. Yep. This is the next one. If you were the AD at a non-marquee school, this is from Adam Brandt, and you had to, and you had just lost lost your coach. I think I'm over-caffeinated, Ty. You all right? I'm I'm all right. You want me to read this one? Go for it. Read it for me. Mr. Brandt says, if you were the AD at a non-marquee school, yeah, you just lost your coach to the carousel. Mm -hmm. What would your hiring strategy be? You want to go marquee guy in between jobs like Youngstown State, right? Um, you want to go and hire a successful head coach from a level below or mm-hmm. give a coordinator his first head job. What's your strategy, Dan? Uh, it depends where the coordinator has recruited. I would say, I would say somebody who is certainly familiar with the recruiting ground, whether that's a coordinator, whether that's an also ran, whatever the case you want somebody, if you are a non marquee job and you are assuming that this person, whether it's a young person or a coordinator coming up or somebody coming down from a bigger job who is looking to return to that place. You want a program builder. You want somebody who is going to leave the program in a better place than where it was when he arrived. And you don't always see that Bobby Petrino at Arkansas, the recruiting wasn't there. So when John L Smith had to take over Brett Bielema's first year, they had to work to overcome and they didn't always. So somebody who can recruit somebody who can, implement things that will last, whether it's a strength and conditioning program, whether it's relationships with coaches in high schools to, to sort of enter into new recruiting funnels for that school, somebody with that experience and know-how that you are confident, even if you're taking the chance in somebody who's like 35 or something, who's, who's traditionally younger than you'd like yep. that has inroads to leave it a much better place than it was. I look for a guy with enthusiasm and recruiting is the name of the game in college football. Yeah. But I, I look for a guy with enthusiasm. I look for a guy who can who can build that brand. James Franklin right now mm-hmm. is doing it at Penn State. But before he was there, he did it at a place like Vanderbilt. Yeah. And I don't know if anyone is going to watch the tape from Penn State in 2014 or even watch the tape from the three years that James Franklin was at Vandy. No one's going to look at that and say this guy was the greatest coach in the world. No, he he connects with people. He's clearly not the greatest on-field coach, but he connects and he builds a brand. People at Penn State right now are more excited than they've ever been. And you could definitely make that argument for when Franklin was at Vanderbilt. You need a guy who can come in, who can bring with a brand of enthusiasm that his predecessors have not had. That, to me, is the most important thing, whether that's a coordinator, mm-hmm. whether that's an also-rand whether that's somebody who's an alumnus, I don't know who that is, but I look first and foremost, if you're one of those lower tier schools for a guy who's passionate about the gig, who can be infectious with that personality and, and inspire new recruits to come there. I'm also saying don't look to Charlie Weiss. No, no, don't do that. Don't go there, but look for a younger guy who can connect someone who can build the brand if you're a, a lower tier school. 
And if you're looking at an NFL person, make sure it's an NFL person with relatively recent college experience. You can't just say, well, Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll's an exception. Pete Carroll is an exception who did have college coaching experience, but you want somebody, you'd want to avoid the Bill Callahan situation at all costs. Yes. That, that is the, that is the avoidance huge, huge factor that you need. Um, I would also say somebody who is not going to try to overhaul in year one, yeah. somebody with a, a, a decided, even a two year plan, somebody who's not going to go to say Georgia tech and say from day one, we're running pro style. You're like, well, uh, we don't have the person pro style. Like that's how you get fired really quickly. That's yeah. how you get fired two years after winning a national championship. Gene Chizik. Yes. All right. Let's move on. Next. Let's let's stick with a football question here. Mm-hmm. Let's go down to Dakota, who writes in and says, "What Dak. is the over under? Can we go Dak?" Well, that's Dak Prescott's real name is Dakota. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. Really? Oh yeah, it's Dakota. It's a great shortening. Why have we not been calling him Dakota Prescott? <laughs> Dakota Prescott sounds like a great old timey cowboy name. Dakota writes name's in. Dakota Prescott. He writes in, he says, what's the over under on the number of bowl games you think you will watch this bowl season? Now, if you signed up for the solid verbal bowl pool, yes, the confidence pool, mm-hmm. you will note that there are 39 selections, which is a wow. lot. That's a yeah. lot. All right. 39 games, Dan. Yeah, that's many. What he does not specify here. Are we talking about start to finish? I would say I would say sizable chunks. Let's say a quarter. Sure. All right. If I set the over under at twenty one and a half mm-hmm. number of bowl games for which you will watch at least one quarter. Again, that number is twenty four and a half. Is that what you said? Twenty one and a half. Twenty one and a half. Twenty one and a half out of thirty nine. Are you going over or under for yourself? I think I'm going barely over. I, I'll yeah. watch chunks. It's one of those things where a lot of games are on at the same time. So you can tick off uh, a lot of them on your list at once. Um, I will. I think I will start out with a lot of enthusiasm with these games. Like, yeah. oh, football's back. Let's watch. And like, oh, Rakeem Cato. I find there's there's a lot of those guys like Rakeem Cato that I'm excited to watch. And I didn't see enough of during the regular season just because there are so many games constantly happening where it'll be nice to get in on those. But I'm going to need... <sighs> Yeah, I'm going to say 23, 23, a bear, a bear over. What about you? 20. Yeah, I'm going to go way over that. OK, a quarter. If, if a quarter is the cutoff, I'm going. Yeah, uh, I'm well, going, I'm, I'm going to the Rose Bowl. So I'm going to miss pretty much every New Ooh, Year's Day game. Yeah. Other than the Rose Bowl. And then I'll watch the Sugar Bowl after. Yeah. So I'm going to miss a bunch of those unless I'm, you know, roaming around tailgates and seeing TVs and RVs and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I'm going to miss a, a chunk there. But yeah, I I feel like there are enough games and enough players, even in games that don't feel great, that I'm just going to be curious about. All right. Let's go to Amy, who writes in and says, if uh, you were given the talent to play any position on any college football team, Mm -hmm. which position, which team and why? She also qualifies this question by saying Oregon is not allowed for you, Dan. And Ty, you are not allowed to select Notre Dame and Penn State. So, so in in your dreams, yeah, what position are you playing? Always quarterback. I yeah, it it has to be quarterback. Uh, I'm a little bit wary of blindside hits from lo- people much larger than I. But if this is a, a hypothetical situation and we are the the correct size, yeah, to play quarterback at a major school, where are you playing quarterback? Somewhere in the South. And I've answered this question. You always got- say Georgia. 
We've gotten this question before. The answer, the only Bro. answer is Georgia. So you you want to be Joe Cox. I you mean, want to be David Green. I don't. You, you, you see yourself as like a Ty Shockley. <laughs> Ty Shock. David Green did pretty well at Georgia. He did. Had 18 years. Yeah. yeah. Might he, as well. He did pretty well at Georgia. Now, again, if I'm a high school recruit, if I've yeah. been given the talent to play at an SEC school, I am thinking NFL. If right. you're going to start me at quarterback in the SEC, I must have some indications early on. Are SEC quarterbacks good in the NFL? I mean, there's Drew Brees who went to Purdue. I don't know why I said Drew Brees. He's on the Saints. Um, there's Eli. I was thinking of Eli Manning for some reason, and I say Drew Matt Brees. Stafford's okay. Matt Stafford. Cam Newton. Cam Newton's been pretty good until he wasn't. Cam Newton's good. Before he was hurt. Yeah. I, you know, I would you got, probably. You got a bunch of Alabama quarterbacks on. <laughs> TV <laughs> bunch of Florida quarterbacks on TV. I don't know. I, I think I, David Green's on TV too. And you want to be on TV. Are there, I do. Are there any yeah. great quarterback factories in the country? Uh, to a certain extent, USC has, has a couple of quarterbacks in the pros. I, I guess Purdue and Michigan state on some level with Kyle Orton and Drew Brees and then Drew Stanton um, and the Michigan state quarterbacks. They had what? Three quarterbacks starting one week in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Michigan State would not be my first choice. If I could play quarterback for Stanford, I think I'd lead a pretty happy life. Stanford. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I go George. George is always my answer. That's my default right. answer. Fair enough. Um, right. Next question. Yes. Uh, this comes to us f- from Walker. Walker. Is this Texas Ranger? Walker, Texas Ranger, Carrie. Okay. Which before Christmas bowl Ooh. are you guys looking forward to the most? Yes. And Why? Before Christmas. So here are your options very quickly. The Hawaii Bowl, the Popeye's Bahamas Bowl, Mm. the Poinsettia Bowl, the Boca Raton Bowl, famous Idaho Potato Bowl, Raycom Media Camellia Bowl, Miami Beach Bowl, Royal Purple Las Vegas Bowl, Gildan New Mexico Bowl, and R&L Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Don't worry if you don't know the teams playing in those because that's quite all right. The easy answer here is probably Marshall, Northern Illinois. Yeah, a prolific, a winning a, on a, an espionation show I do, Wake Up College Football. Our friend Ryan Nanny pointed out that Northern Illinois has only been out one over the past three seasons. Teams with more wins than Northern Illinois, I believe, are Alabama, Florida State, and Ohio State in on the FBS level. So yep. they have been quite good for a little bit of chunk of time. So that's nice. And I think they're tied with Oregon. Um, before Christmas, I would say, yeah, outside of, of Marshall and Northern Illinois, um, Curious about Justin Fuente against BYU. And actually, I think Colorado State's offense, even without Jim McElwain, going against Utah State, or excuse me, Utah's defense, I think that could be quite fun in the Las Vegas Bowl. And that's always a very strange game. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Vegas Bowl with my pick. That's a it's a 3:30 Eastern time kickoff. I think that's my pick. I would add, though, Walker, Texas Ranger, if you're willing to extend the deadline yeah. by one whole day. That gives you the option of NC State, UCF. Ugh. No, that mm. gives you the option of Rutgers, North Carolina, my early lock of the bowl season, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And come on now. Come on. Heart of Dallas Bowl, the Zaxby's. Uh, yeah. Heart of Dallas Bowl. Not only do you get great fried chicken, right. but you also get Illinois, the drive for six, which is now complete Please. against Louisiana Tech. Yeah, ILL. That would be the answer if it's December 26th is a cutoff. This is true. I'm sticking with the Vegas ball. All right. What other questions we got here? All right. What is your, this is from our friend drew. 
uh, from the last row podcast. What yes. is your favorite quote? Must watch every year Christmas movie. Ooh, do you have one of these? Uh, Home Alone one. Home Alone one is is I think a, a, a staple. I do enjoy the stop motion Rudolph the Red nosed Reindeer. Okay, that to me is a uh, is is always kind of a, a staple. I like the Charlie Brown Christmas album. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's always good. It always it always throws me off though because like CBS, who I think has the rights to most of these movies at this point, mm-hmm. like the really old ones, right? They play the Christmas movies on like December third. I never have a chance to watch them live. Yeah, I don't understand. I've got another movie, and a lot of people like to dog on this movie. Jingle all the way. No, not jingle all the way. I'm gonna be. I enjoy this movie. If I go home tonight and I see that this movie is on, let's be real, ABC Family. Yeah. I'm going to watch a good chunk of Love Actually. Ooh, good movie. Not a shame and to say it. I like it. I enjoy it. I'm not going to tell you it's a great piece of cinema, but it's entertaining and I get the feels. Can I uh, can I point something else out? We talked on our last video show about things that make us weep. Yeah. Got a little dusty at the end of uh, Polar Express. Oh, wow. I've never seen Polar Express. Chris Van Alsberg? I have a Chris Van Allsburg collection of books somewhere wow. in this house. Yeah. I'm impressed. Polar Express is where it's at. Um, final question or just sort of comment. This comes from, I'm going to try to pronounce this correctly. Yeah. Kelly Ochanyadel. Yeah. There's a, there's a tilde in there. There's the tilde. So I'm assuming the H is silence. Or, yeah. Whatever it is. Kelly, have you ever tried the cleverly branded Chick-fil-A sauce? This can only be the explanation for honey mustard and being your favorite of the sauce buffet. So per my understanding, the Chick-fil-A sauce is a combo of barbecue and honey mustard. Yes. I like it deconstructed. I like some bites, including the the, the sweeter creaminess of the honey mustard and some bites getting the, the peppery sweetness of the barbecue sauce. So I don't want everything in the same bite, which is why I go separate, but I can appreciate the Chick-fil-A sauce, especially more for dunking of fries or nuggets or tenders. But on the sandwich, I do the honey mustard barbecue swirl. I like the Chick-fil-A sauce. I like it. You have Chick-fil-A a lot more than I do. I, I don't Chick-fil-A have Chick-fil-A today, to Dan. Did you really? What was your order? I just went uh, standard issue. Number one, okay. Chick-fil-A sandwich, old trusty Chick-fil-A right. sandwich. But I also deconstruct the meal. What do you do? So instead of getting the fries, I figure I'm eating poorly enough as is going Chick-fil-A sandwich. Like a Chick-fil-A sandwich. I try to make myself feel healthy by eating a side salad with the berry Mm -hmm. balsamic vinaigrette. And then I usually just get a cup of water. So instead of the waffle fries, which I love, I adore their waffle fries. Their waffle fries are great. Yeah. Instead of the waffle fries and the soda, I go side salad and a cup of water. Can I can I give you a. A hidden tip that I have for you. That sounded that sounded way weird. A hidden, a hidden tip. tip. Yeah, <laughs> I apologize. For Can that. you give me a, a a pro tip instead of a hidden tip? Pro tip: secret little bit of knowledge. Yeah, eating fried chicken with the side salad does very little in the way of health for you. Really, it's better than fried chicken and fries. But just because the side salad and the fried chicken go down together, and there's some comedian that does that. That's yeah. not an original thought. Just because they're going down together. Does not a healthy meal make? I'm so, saying it's it's more of a psychological trick. Sure, absolutely. Because I am well aware that this is not good for me, but um, right, it's better than the alternative at least. True. Okay. Better Just making sure we're on the same page. All right. Do we have any other questions here? Do we want to um, get through any of these? Do you have a, a holiday food power ranking? Oh God. We got that was a question from our buddy. I can go Timbo. holiday cookies. 
I yeah. like I like I like holiday cookies. I'm a big fan right. of crinkles and kiffles. I you are speaking not my language. Thumbprints. I've heard of thumbprints. I don't know if I know exactly oh what they are. I'll take pictures. Is that like with the Hershey Kiss, like in the middle of the cookie, or like some sort of chocolate no, something in the is, middle? This is literally a thumbprint in the middle, and it's usually filled with some sort of jelly or jam. Mm, I think I've had those. You probably had those. You ever had? You ever had a like a, a Jewish meal, like a Hanukkah no, meal? No. Like you've ne- have you ever had Jewish brisket? I haven't. Oh, Thai. It's so obviously regular standard issue barbecue brisket is smoked. Yeah. Jewish brisket is it's a long braising process. Really? It's sort of a gravy, a liquid. It's like a, a 10 hour roast. Outstanding. You throw that on top of latkes. You ever had latkes? No. Thai. Never had any of this. Oh, do you know what a latke is? I have no idea. Do you have no idea what a latke I is? I don't know. I can only be honest here, Dan. I have no I know, idea. I appreciate that. This show is all about honesty. Yeah. A latke is it's a potato pancake. This it's isn't like, like thin... sriracha where I'm going to get angry tweets, is it? It might be. Damn it. I think it's well enough known. A lot is, if you can imagine, this is this is how I can most simply explain it. You can imagine the McDonald's hash brown. Yeah. The sort of oval. Okay. So imagine that as sort of like a perfect, not a perfect, but in more circular way. Yeah. A little bit thinner and sort of fried with onions. So it's, that's what it is. It's a potato? It's a potato pancake. Yeah. Potato, it's I've like, had potato pancakes. Okay. I've you've had, had that. potato. Okay, so it's just like finely shredded potato fried yeah. up with onions and butter, and you get a golden crust. And typically, people will put on sour cream or applesauce on it. So if you like the the tangy or the yeah. creamy, or if you like the sweet, but it, the the potato pancake, the latka underneath a bed of Jewish brisket, Ty, it's for real. I think it I would enjoy real. that. I would enjoy yeah, that. and a lot of times you have vegetables in the gravy: carrots, onions, potatoes themselves. So, um, pretty great. I also like gelt. Do you know what gelt is? <laughs> gelt is simply chocolate coins. Chocolate, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, chocolate coins. Um, I'm probably forgetting something else, but those sure. are those are the biggies. I feel like for a, a like a Hanukkah meal. Yeah. All right. Matzo ball soup. Have you had matzo ball no. soup, Ty? No. You've never had a bowl of matzo ball I've soup. Never had a bowl of matzo ball soup. <sighs> you're sit. You're under the weather right now, aren't you? I've been under the weather for like a month. You know what you need to do? Go to your Super Wegmans. Walk past. Would they have a pub there? Yeah. Walk past that. They'll either have it in the prepared soups or whatever, even if they don't. You get a box. You, you have somebody make it. You have Mama H or somebody who's better in the kitchen than you. You make some matzo ball soup. See, I, hate, I hate these shows. I hate this because I'm going to get tweets now. If it's not like FSU but Twitter. But this show is about growth. If it's not like the FSU Twitter crazies coming after me, right. then it's going to be it's going to be the sriracha slash <laughs> matzo ball slash what do you say? Gelt. Yep. It's going to be that crowd. I, okay, that's not going to be on the level of Sriracha. Yeah. We've got a lot of controversial reactions to you not liking scarves. Yeah. Um, I've got a lot of tweets from people saying that I'm on point. I know. They support your anti-scarf stance, which is very strange. First to me. time I've won an argument in seven years. I wouldn't go as far as that, but yes, you, you had some mild support from listeners. <laughs> um, it was tepid. Tepid support yes. from the strange anti-scarf community. <laughs> what if there's a subreddit for the there anti-scarves? Is, like down with scarves, R down with scarves. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like these are things you should know, but you know, I don't know. Whatever, what, what are you going to do? Um, that's all I have in the way of Q&A. Okay. But uh, let's get you some. Next time you're in New York, I'm going to make sure you eat right. Okay. By the way, shout out to the, I mentioned Reddit, but. Yeah. Reddit has been doing a uh, college football podcast. So shout out to those guys. They do a good hey. job on uh, Reddit slash R slash CFB. 
Cool. Our good friends over there. They're so they're always so generous to us. Yes. The least we can do is say hello back to them. All yeah. right. And very finally, I want to close out with this. Mm. <sighs> you prepare a song and dance? I prepared a little bit of a song and dance. Oh. You have a hypothetical? I'm going secret verbal here. Oh. I got a bone to pick. Oh, this is this is bad. Ty has very few bones to pick. So when he does. We tried in earnest mm. to launch a secret verbal coup, a coup, I say. We did. We really did. Against our good friend, Brett McMurphy from ESPN, McMurphy ESPN on the Twitter. Yeah. A very lukewarm response to. Unacceptable. Said secret verbal attack. So totally unacceptable. I came up with the topics. I came up with the target mm-hmm. last time. Mm-hmm. It did not work. Wow. I am man enough to admit that it did not work. I'm appealing to you and your infinite creativity. Yes. Maybe do we go back at Brett McMurphy? Do we go at somebody else or what? Like what helped me come to peace? I think it was a two parter and that was sort of more difficult. It would have been more difficult for me. Um, So I think we go something a little bit more simple, a little bit simpler. Which target do you feel good about? I'm I'm staying out of this, Dan. I'm gonna be. You're staying I'm, out. I'm gonna facilitate. You're giving me free reign. I'm giving you car blanche, my friend. Car blanche. Do whatever you damn well please with this secret verbal. Okay, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna go at a big horse. A big horse. We're going at a whale here. A whale. We're gonna go at Kirk Herb Street. Ooh. Let's go at Kirk Herb Street. Wow. He's from Ohio. Yeah. Let's let's see uh, famous let's see rock musicians rappers some let's somebody famous from Ohio who comes to mind as a famous person from Ohio. Well, LeBron James is the easy one, but yeah, now I want somebody like from the seventies or eighties. Wow. All right, Google's famous people from Ohio. Okay, famous Cincinnati residents. We got the former host of. A Family Feud. We've got Doris Day. Yeah. Oh, we have Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. It's from Cincinnati. How about Nick Lachey? Let's, yeah, Nick Lachey was on game day, though. That's too close. Okay. Jerry Springer, former mayor of Cincinnati. Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg. Amy Yazbeck. Yeah. Of Wings. We're just naming notable Cincinnati people. We got options here, Dan. Okay. Amy Yazbeck is how old? She is. She's 52 years old. Yeah. Um, used to be married to the hilarious John Ritter before he passed away. She was in Pretty Woman, right? Um, she was in, yes, she was in Pretty Woman. Yep. She, I think she was Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yep, yep. Kirk Herbstreet and Amy Yazbeck, they're beefing, because how old is he? Is he around 40, 45? Kirk Herbstreet. So she's 52. Kirk Herbstreet and Amy Yazbeck are beefing about an argument they had when they both worked at the Cincinnati Zoo over what, Ty? Over what animal at the Cincinnati Zoo? Let's bring this full circle. Let's talk about penguins. Penguins? Yeah. Are there penguins at the zoo? There could be. There are penguins at every zoo. Yes, there are penguins at the did Cincinnati you Zoo. I, of course I did. <laughs> Penguin days at the Cincinnati Zoo and Botanical Garden. Every weekend, guests can watch penguins, polar bears, and snow monkeys, and even elephants enjoy the winter weather yeah. in their own way. All right. Okay. Penguins, man. This is my only contribution to this. Penguins. Penguins. So tweet at Kirk Herbstreet. Just his Twitter handle is Kirk Herbstreet. Can you tell the story 
about how about the feud that started when you and Amy Yazbek were working with penguins at the Cincinnati Zoo. If he was working at the Cincinnati Zoo as a 16-year-old, she would be like 23? Yeah. Okay. So if he's 45, so that's 29 years ago. So that is what, 1985? Some quick math. I'm gonna I'm just okay. gonna take your word for it. So the question of Kirk Herb Street is. Can you tell us the story? Why won't you tell the story about why you and Amy Yazbek are beefing due to your time working with penguins in the mid eighties, the Cincinnati zoo, some iteration of that, any concoction thereof, right? Amy Yazbek. I'd love to hear that. Cause I don't know. Was it about feeding? Was it about mating? Yeah. Amy Yazbek, beautiful redhead. Yep. He is going to be surprised to see this. Yeah, I would imagine. All right. You and Amy Asbeck. Don't tell anyone that the solid verbal sent you. Come on, do this right. But at Kirk Herb Street, Amy Yazbeck, Cincinnati Zoo, beefing over penguins. Yeah. Figure it out. Send it off. Don't let us down, verballers. Will you tell the story on game day? Will you tell the story on a radio show? Why can't we get the answer that we deserve after so many years about why you and Amy Yazbeck and their, your beef has gone all the way back to the mid-80s during your time working with penguins at the Cincinnati Zoo? There it is. I want everybody tweeting Kirk Herb Street. Every single person. Do it. There you have it. All right, Dan. Fun show tonight. Yes. Big thanks to our guest of honor. His name's Brian Cook. You could find mm-hmm. him over at MGO Blog. Surely we hope, despite all the jokes we make about Michigan, we hope things go well for that coaching search because college football is more interesting when Michigan is playing a lot better than it's played the last couple seasons under Brady Hoke. Hope it goes well. Want to see who they hire Mm -hmm. for that guy over there. Mr. Dan Rubenstein in beautiful New York City for myself. Ty Hildenbrandt here in good old Eastern PA. Thanks again for tuning into the show. Don't forget. Get in on that bull pool. Get Mm -hmm. your Verbies nominations in at solidverbal.com slash Verbies. Find us on Facebook, on Fancred, and of course on Twitter. And by all means, enjoy your weekend. We'll catch up with you on Sunday. In the meantime, stay solid. Peace. Peace.